Welcome to Business Unmuted. Thanks to our sponsor, Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers, representing some of the world's best manufacturers of cars, vans, and motorcycles. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb, and I've owned Recognition PR for nearly 35 years. We've got 75 clients in all sorts of sectors, and between them, they have a turnover of £6 billion and employ 30,000 people. So by working with these companies, we're at the front line of the business community, and it's a great opportunity to look at what's happening and discuss the economic climate. In the studio for this edition of Business Unmuted, we've Lee Watson, tax partner at Clive Owen LLP. Lee's based in Darlington and specialises in personal and business taxes. We've also got Carl Pemberton, one of our regulars, back again, Managing Director of Active Chartered Financial Planners in Stockton and Chair of the Institute Directors for the Northeast, the South of the Northeast. And down the line, we've got David Cliff, Dr. David Cliff, Managing Director of Gedanken, who's a business coach, media counsellor and all-round personal development guru. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. David and I have known each other a long time. David, what does Gedanken mean? It's the German word for thoughts. Thoughts. Well, we're going to have lots of thoughts on today's uh, discussion. First thing is, it's been a week of lots of economic data, and it's the last sort of full business week of the year, I suppose. Uh, uh, last, last but one, anyway. Um, we've had uh, the growth data, which showed a tiny increase in GDP. We've had the unemployment data, which showed a tiny fall in unemployment. We've had the inflation data, which showed a tiny change in inflation, but downwards. And tomorrow, uh, uh, I'm recording on Wednesday, but tomorrow on Thursday, there'll be the interest rates, which may show an increase in interest rates. Carl, you deal with holistically the economy when you're advising your uh, clients on how to invest their money. How would you characterise this year? It's been a nightmare, really, hasn't it, Greg? It has. Um, financial planning, as, as the name suggests, it's all about planning. If you're going to plan for anything, whether it's your business, your finances or whatever, you need to try and predict the future. There's got to be an element of predictability about it. And I think this year it's fair to say that none of us have really known what's around that corner. Uh, what we might think might happen doesn't happen. What we want to happen doesn't happen. Or perversely, something completely random happens and uh, you know, and it, it throws us completely out of sync like the Ukraine situation at the start of the year. So it has been pretty much a, a juggling act this year, hasn't it, in terms of we don't know which way we're going to turn from one month to the next. So Now, you're at the front end of where money is put for investment and people in business are quite often at the rear end because they may have to borrow or they may have to seek private money for investment. But now it's a big difference, isn't it? If you are a private investor, you could put money in the bank and get 3% plus. So that's going to compete with money in property. It's going to compete with money in the uh, stocks and shares index. The FTSE index went um, from a low of, what was it, 6,850 to up now again at around 7,500. So where do you see the direction of investment funds that from your clients who tend to be wealthy individuals in the north of England? It's totally changed the dynamic, that's for sure, because at a time when you got risk-free returns of practically zero, averaging a 5% yield from an investment portfolio was seen as pretty good. A 5% yield in, in investment portfolios now doesn't seem that attractive when you might be able to get two or even three, if you're lucky, within the banking or when I say the risk-free rate, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, in certain um, 
asset classes. So the market does have to change. It does have to evolve. I think people's expectations also have to change. And there's been a complete shift, you know, the same with potentially property as well, which Lee probably knows more about than I. But, uh, you know, the property yields are likely to change moving forward, depending on what happens with property prices. And in the north of England, particularly, that makes a difference. I know of one uh, property development where there was a, a warehouse going to be built, and the rental of that warehouse income had already been decided, but the finance changed, so the yield didn't really meet the finance requirements, so the project was put on ice until the situation changes. So it does make a difference, doesn't it? Massively. And like I say, I think expectations need to change a little bit. Um, sometimes a, a, a reduction in price of something actually increases the yield. Mm. It doesn't suddenly mean it's a bad asset. And, and property is the best example to give an, uh, to, to sort of give that uh, uh, that look in terms of if a property was worth 200000 and you got £10,000 a year rent, it might not be that great, it's 5%. But suddenly if that property falls in value to 175,000, but the rent stays the same at 10, the yield is actually higher. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean it's suddenly a bad property and you should sell it. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is a bit of a you've mindset. Got to, you've got to take a bigger view. Let's talk to David next, because he's down the line. You're talking to clients who tend to be going through change, don't they? Owner-managed businesses, they may have different levels of change. What has been the dynamic this year that has been very prevalent for you? I think it's been a year of stark contrasts. We've seen people who have made unprecedented good fortune from the situations around us. And similarly, we're seeing quite sterling businesses that would be viable in any other situation that are frankly struggling, and particularly to raise finance. Uh, I've found that, for example, lending to companies has, uh, has seen a sea change only in a matter of weeks with lenders, for example. And this is at a time when, when companies are trying to get on a front foot, trying to deal with multiple challenges. Um, and they seem to be being hit from all sides. So there's the, the there's a fiscal impact on organisations. I'm also seeing a motivational impact happening on a lot of organisations where, frankly, the multiple uh, uh, causality of stress is is such as I've never seen. So it, it, it's fiscal, it's psychological. Um, you know, we're, we're post-pandemic. We're, we're still dealing with the impact of, of Brexit. And there are, you know, we are effectively getting something akin to a winter of discontent in terms of um, you know, the, the union activity, confidence in the NHS, confidence in getting goods and, 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 yep. and services delivered yep. as communications are breaking down or, or, or people are having to be behaviourally diverse in how they're getting their goods out at a peak time of year, for example. Now, so it, it, is, it is quite the most uh, chaotic period of time. And I, I still see a lot of business resilience where people are, are reacting and, and, and people are trying to uh, think on their feet and, 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 and pivot wherever possible. But um, a number of them are having to pivot in multiple directions. And uh, a pivot in multiple directions is frankly in danger of becoming a flat spin for some. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Let's just ask you about that. I mean, my own business, we've got 15 people or so in my business. And uh, the big issue is productivity. And it's very difficult to say to people who are hardworking, loyal to your business, uh, who might want pay rises when it's difficult to give them, that you've also got to maybe upskill and adapt on productivity. And that's the kind of thing that can cause stress in a workplace, isn't it? 
Equally, at a time where workforce retention has never been more of a, a centre stage issue, we're now seeing the productivity issue juxtaposed against many companies now offering four-day working mm. weeks to be attractive to employees. So we're in a, 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 a zone of competing forces at present, and I'm not sure it's played through. A, 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 you know, a, anything other. We're only at the nurse, the opening overtures of, I think, quite a dance of these forces in the in the early new year. Well, we've taken the money from investment to deployment. What about when it comes to the profits? Lee, you are dealing with companies and planning their tax. How much difficulty it must be to plan your tax when in August people think the corporation tax rate is 19%, uh, then in uh, October it's going to be 25%. If you own a business and you happen to be lucky enough to be on 45%, in August you're going to go down to, in September you're going to go down to to 40%, and uh, in October you're going to go back up to 45%, but pay more of it on more income. It must be impossible to plan. Well, it is impossible to plan. but I guess we know the changes that are coming now. So there's a there's a window now between the current time and the end of the tax year, you know, to get your house in order. You know, there, there are changes coming in terms of, you know, LLPs and incorporated businesses, how they report um, their profits. So it's time to time to plan for that is now. Um, you know, you know, if you know what you're gonna earn this year, you know, you can think about pension contributions, which obviously Carl can can help you with um, going forward. Um, you know, you know the income that you're drawing from the business. You can you can you can work out what taxes are going to be and how you can adjust those. Okay, so we've we've had a little bit of a, a look at the problems, but you know we're all in business, and we don't guide ourselves on problems because we like to be buccaneering, opportunistic, and entrepreneurial. Let's remember the word enterprise. Are you seeing in your client zone, uh, Lee, uh, enterprise and um, any optimism? I, th- I think there is optimism, but it's very cautious optimism. Um, I think people. You know, it's not like the last recession where it was, you know, batten down your hatches uh, and protect everything you've got. It's more, well, that, you know, we're going to have to face this again, like we did with COVID um, and the restrictions that that brought and the impact on the business. It's more about how we, how we move forward through it, you know, and what we can do, but what is what is sensible to do. What, what was it Donald Rumsfeld said? There were the known knowns and there were known <coughs> unknowns. But we know more about the known knowns now, don't we? We know what the tax rates are going to be. We have a fair guess that the interest rates are not going to go through the roof. They might go a bit more, but they're not coming down. Uh, what else do we know? We also know that the workforce is starting to come back. David, did you notice in the data that was published on unemployment that the number of people economically inactive has reduced. In other words, more people have gone into the workforce. Yes, and, and that's that's very encouraging. I think it, it's almost an inevitability given that people are having difficulty sourcing labour from overseas. And that seems to be a, a, a constant lament in the post-Brexit era that that is a much more difficult prospect than it was before. But it will have the windfall effect of pr- producing um, homegrown opportunities for the local workforce. And that perhaps is reflected in the data. And more people in the workforce, people focus on the unemployment data, understandably, but you also need to look at the employment data. And we're looking at now, nationally, at 75.6% of people of employment age, that's up to 64, in the workforce and working. So these marginal numbers increasing 1% or 2% here and there, that's more income tax. It's more, it's more, more helpful for the economy to grow, even if it might be in small steps. David? 
I think I, I, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, I think the the other issue is we we really need to to drill down into the data about the types of jobs that are being filled yeah. at the level of recompense because uh, again this is a complex scenario and and there, there are there, there are multiple factors to weigh in. So we you know we have to weigh in the employment figures which are encouraging against the stark reality of the levels of in work poverty we've got. Um, where where a lot of that work is bound bound up with people who are uh, hybridised on wages and benefit. Yeah. Um, and and so I I think that the data is going to emerge over a time series where we'll get a better picture of um of this ingress of people into employment in a in a post Brexit era. Okay, Carl, I want to ask you about inflation. The inflation figures took a tiny bit down, 0.4 of a percent down a few years ago. That would have been a massive drop in inflation. Now it's just a little bit of a drop. Uh, Do you sense, I'm sort of asking you to predict, which you're not supposed to do as a financial advisor, but do you sense that this time next year we'll have been through a series of monthly announcements where, you know, the BBC is saying inflation has fallen for the fourth month in a row or what have you. Do you think inflation will come out of the system automatically with petrol and fuel coming down and things like that? Yeah, I think it will because uh, I think the thing a lot of people forget is that the inflationary figures are always a a look back Hmm. at the last 12 months. So even the figures that have come out for this month are basically everything from December last year through to to now. So there are a lot of things that have happened this year, as we've already spoke about, that are still technically included in the figures, although they are historic and behind us. So it is going to take time for those to trickle out of, of those figures. There is the reality as well that I hope I'm not putting my foot in it here by saying, you know, things can't keep going up by 10% every year, 10% on 10% on 10%. It it will level out. It might go up 10% as it has or 11 or maybe higher as the reality might be, 15. But it can't go up 15% on 15 on 15 Mm. year after year. So I do think inflation will naturally come down. But let's not forget falling inflation doesn't mean that those prices are actually going down it just means the the pace that they're going up by yeah. is slowing i mean you're right i mean if you sort of t- take one commodity uh, petrol unleaded petrol about 155 pence when we checked the data uh, before recording this now that's quite, that's still more money than it was this time last year but it's considerably less than the peak of 2022 yeah. So infl- that's come down, but it hasn't actually been reflected in the in- inflation figures yet. Yeah, and it doesn't... I don't think we will... Uh, the figures that have been announced this month are... I'm always a half-glass, half-full type of guy. And and I think it's a positive thing, although it is marginal, isn't it? It is, it is fractional. Um, but I do think... It hopefully will be the sign of a of a, a teetering back down the other way mm. um, as energy prices. We're coming up to a year in terms of the Ukraine war, uh, and obviously that created a massive spike in sort of February, March last year. So I do think once we get over this winter, which is invariably going to be very difficult for lots of people, I do think we will start to see that data come come down the other side. David, I'm going to come back to you on this because we t- Carl gave a very interesting answer. Uh, and now these two are younger than you and I, and we do remember the 70s, don't we? Where actually it could be 15% on 15% if the wages get out of control. So what's your view on that? 
And of course, in that, that, that era, we had stagflation as well, which yeah. was, uh, you know, um, a, a, a term that's only recently been resurrected. So uh, I, I, I tend to think that the only way is up. But I, I, I tend not to, as you know, I tend not to be an op- optimist, but realism amongst optimists can <laughs> feel like pessimism in um, a comparative sense. Um, but, you know, the, 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 we are in unprecedented times. Um, that said, when we look at the historical data, I mean, we was, I was looking at data last night, for example, on the number of days lost through strikes, they were far greater in that period than is envisaged during this. So I, I think this is one of those times when, uh, you know, for, for a person that's always asking people to get in touch with their feelings, we, we need to be driven by the data perhaps more than more than we normally would. And this is less about uh, notions of confidence and it's more about actually getting a real uh, getting in real touch with what's there. My, my concern, I think, going ahead is that this is passable with care, but a business community has to be a business community. And at times of hardship, it's about values. It's about corporate and social responsibility. It's about the propensity in a market like this for uh, wages to be depressed and for profits to be maximised in certain sectors uh, to the, with a concomitant cost to others. Mm. So I, I, I do think we, we have to examine not only the data, but we have to examine our values through these times and look at what a business community means going forward. Lee, when you're talking to your clients, are any of their investments being put on hold or do you still see businesses that are ready to invest for the future with new ideas and new and new projects i think it's a mix across the board you know some people are sort of holding back on what they would potentially have spent um, but there is a realization that you, you still need to spend some money on you know, your your infrastructure you know so your planting machinery and things like that um, but i think there's there's a cautiousness about it now um And skills. I think that's one of the things that certainly is on my list. It's the constant refrain, you know, just going off to the government, expecting the government to fund an apprenticeship here and there. That's corporate welfare, in my personal view. It's probably right that the government contributes, but businesses do have to get real on skills. I mean, in your accountancy practice, I'm sure every day you're teaching people about the the latest skills. Yeah, we have a lot of trainees. You know, we're one of the biggest training providers in the area in terms of accountancy. You know, we take a lot of graduates on, um, but it's that constant, you know, updating of the, the qualified professionals as well. You know, that there is quite a significant cost to the business, but the downside is if you don't do that, if you don't invest, you know, we end up in, you know, a difficult position in five or ten years' time when, you know, there aren't those people with the necessary skills. A bit like I guess we've got now, there's a there's a gap in the skill market and that's potentially from the last recession, people not necessarily investing. David? I would echo what Lee said. I, I think the reason we are in the mess we are with the NHS, and that's a really big issue for the workforce, it's a really big issue for employers about people getting treatment, etc., is the fact that fragmentation in that sector has led to really poor workforce planning, and it takes a long time to turn around when you haven't got the skills in place. Uh, and so the training and, and, and credentialing time actually factors into the woe. Um, and, and renders organisations incapable of delivery. So it, it is strange how you know people working in my field in the, in the sort of uh, de- the developmental field often feel we're the first to see budgets cut, etc. At these times, and that is actually positively the worst thing to do because it it leaves organisations unfit for the 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 the, um, the, the, the incoming tide uh, that that can float. Uh, the economy and, and make a big difference coming down the line, which eventually will happen. 
David, thank you. Lee, thank you. I'm going to give you the last word, Carl, because you said you're optimistic. If we're sitting here this time next year, do you think we'll be feeling more content with our business year than this year, this turbulent year of three prime ministers, a European war and the end of Covid? I'd like to think so, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. Just hopefully, I think you, you alluded to it at the start, it's, it's just more stability. If we've got stability, I can plan for my business, I can plan for my clients, Lee can probably do exactly the same, and, and David likewise. Uh, you know, we all need something to look forward to. So if we get a period of consistency and stability, it's a good enough start for me. Darkest hour before dawn, David. Cheer up. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's it for Business Unmuted this year. We'll be back in uh, early January with more editions of our Business Decision Programme for the north of England.